Well, I grew up with a mom that had several different sayings, several, several different statements. Uh, one was, are you telling me the truth? Jesus knows, and so do I. That was one of them. And uh, we have been on a track of a very popular statement, when in Rome, a popular saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. But the Apostle Paul, in his fifth book that he would write, his fifth letter, out of the 13 letters he would write that make up 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, he is saying, here's what you've been hearing, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, or all roads lead to Rome, or Rome wasn't built in a day Here's, as we are Christ followers in a culture that's gone upside down, how do we appropriately connect with culture? How do we uh, be in the world but not of the world? And we are in now week four. I invite you, if you're joining us for the first time or maybe a, a first time in a long time, you can go back and listen to our podcasts. And today is week four. We've took, taken the last three weeks just to get through chapter one. So if you're joining us on this uh, special day, let's take a quick moment and let's recap. Let me give you up to speed before we jump into this one right here. Recapping, the truth is Paul starts chapter one and he says, you need you to know you're really lost. There's a lot of other people that may have said that made a point, pointed a finger at you saying you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to, to, to kind of buck up buttercup and you need to make sure that you get it right, get right or get left, turn or burn. And you need you to know more than anybody else needs to know, you need to know that you're really lost before you can really receive grace because grace really becomes so valuable and precious when you really understand what it is and what it covers. It would be like your neighbor coming to you and saying, hey, I, uh, I want you to know that while you were gone, uh, you got a letter in the mail and you owed a debt and I just want you to know, I'm sorry for looking through your mail, but I looked through it and there it is and I paid your debt. Well, if, if it was like 17 cents for a stamp that you didn't put on, you'd say, okay, why are you checking my mail? Thanks for the 17 cents. Please get off my yard before I have to tase you, okay? But, but, but let's say that it was the IRS and you owed $142,000. You said, I saw that you owed and I paid your debt. You would say, oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you, I don't even know what to say. How could I ever repay you? The magnitude of our debt is only, is only matched by the unbelievable amount of his grace that he pours out on us. And we need to understand how just lost we are in order to really receive his grace. And Paul in chapter one really just runs through the evidence that we are it's undeniable to know that we're lost. It's unmistakable. Uh, you, you just by seeing with your own eyes, not only eyesight, but insight. And he jumps into this scripture for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his power, his divine nature, it has been clearly seen. You can't hide it. You can't deny it. It's being understood from what has been made so that people, you and me, are without excuse like You've never, there's never been a civilization that's been found that has been full of atheists. Every single civilization ever found has had a higher form of surrender to a greater power because even nature says we're without excuse. There is 
a God. There is a designer out there. And although they claim to be wise, and although we claim to be wise, we become foolish. Fools, we exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being. Birds and animals and reptiles. So we make this exchange of a supernatural, all-powerful God, and we carve out with our own hands as the creation instead of the creator. We want to create our own gods. And Paul, in chapter 1, says here's, here's basically the result. That God would give us over into the sinful desires of our hearts. Now, God never gives up on you. God will not give up on you, but he will give you over. He's not going to twist your arm to follow him. He gives you free choice. And he will let, if you want to ro- run that road, if you want to run that race, he will invite you to, he'll give you over into that. He gave us over to the desires of our own hearts. And Paul then goes through and says, we exchange the truth about God for a lie. We worship and serve created things, not just totem poles, but like us, each other, what we provide for each other. We, we, we worship that stuff. And then he lists 21 ways we sin. It's a total cinerama. In those next few verses, 21 ways we sin. And really, that whole sin is not about the way we sin. It's about what sin does and what sin is. And You can write it down in your notes. Here's a working definition. It's not what that person did or a certain situation. When I choose my way, choosing my way over God's way in any way, from sexual sin to family and relational sin to economic sin to social sin, choosing my way over God's way in any way, that's that's what separates us from God. Here's another definition. We're trying to set the scene and recap so we can get into sneak peek. The worst sin ever. Uh Uh-oh. The worst sin ever. What is it? You'll find out. You're like, you know, nudging your husband like, "Mm, he's got it. (laughs) Easy. Sin is not the act I commit. It's not the act I commit. It wasn't taking the fruit of the tree and and (laughs) chewing the fruit. It's not the act I commit. It's the authority I reject. And any time I choose my way over God's way in any way, I'm rejecting his authority. I'm saying, I would rather be my own God. I would rather be the king on my throne. I would rather have the final say. I want full control. And any time I do that, when I want full control, that's what separates us from God. And although... They know God's righteous decree that those who do those 21 ways we sin in rejecting the authority, we all deserve death. Even though we know it, here's what happens. They not only continue to do it, but these very things, we also approve of those who practice these things. So not only are we living in a culture that we we do these things, and now we're living in a culture where we kind of just applaud and like and heart and say, you go, girl all over social media and in our lives, and we would rather approve of things than really deal with the reality of what sin does and what sin is. Now that's just chapter one. Ah, We got 15 more chapters, Lord help us. And if that isn't like, I mean, rubber meets the road, boom, we get to chapter two. 
And in chapter two, Paul is gonna go from the 21 ways we sin, he's gonna go now to, are you ready everybody? He's gonna go to the deadliest sin in the world. Pause, happy Mother's Day. The deadliest sin in the world. Why, why might this be the deadliest sin in the world? Well, because rich people do it and poor people do it. Educated people do this and uneducated people do this. Christians do this, non-Christians do this. People that have got all of their moral ducks in a row and people who don't. The firstborn child and the favorite child, which usually isn't the firstborn. Let's <laughs> just be honest. You're like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of you, some of you moms are like, yeah, that's true. It's true. <laughs> the deadliest sin in the world. So he he de- I mean, he doesn't stop there with those 21 ways. He moves right into chapter two. And I mean, he's like taking his jacket off and he's he's getting down and dirty. And he says, okay, are you ready? Chapter two. You therefore, you, me, all of us, you therefore, you have no excuse, you. Who, what? What could be the deadliest sin in the world? You who murder, you who lie, you who, you who. You who pass judgment on someone else. Because he gives us that huge cinerama, and so many of us will read through that long list of sins, and we're like, yep, yep, that's exactly what, mm, God help them, just stretch a hand out. And yet you got no, I got no excuse when I pass judgment on someone else for at whatever you point, for whatever point you judge another, you're you're, you're raining the gavel down on yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now, 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 when he's saying same things, it may not be the exact same like number three of the 21 sins, number one of the 21. It's the same things that you choose your way over God's way in any way. That's the doing the same thing. So you get all hot and bothered on the sins of the, of the people on the other side of the political parties. Be careful. Because there are things you do in the same way that are the same things when you reject the authority of God in your life. Now, now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. God is going to judge. And it's not based on opinion. It's not based on being ticked off. It's not based on how, he's, how he woke up this morning. God doesn't wake up on the wrong side of heaven, everybody. He like, in fact, he never wakes up because he never sleeps. And he will judge everything based on truth, the clarity of what is right. So... When you, a mere human, pass judgment on them, 
on whoever them, whoever the them is, and yet do the same things, reject the authority of God in any which way, big, small, size of a basketball, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt? Now watch this. Do you show contempt like a disregard and a disrespect for the riches, like the piles of riches of his kindness, his forbearance, and his patience? His kindness, which is like a mercy, his forbearance, which is like he could exercise a legal action against you, but he holds back. Patience, with he endures so much. He's so, so patient. Not realizing that God's kindness, and everybody at all of our locations, we're gonna read this together, not realizing, everybody say it out loud, let's go. Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us repentance. So today, as we talk about the deadliest sin in the world, Paul has just described it as, you can write it down in your notes, self-righteousness, aka, also known as, incognito, judging others. Now, before you judge this message and judge what I'm going to say about judging, I encourage you to like slow thy proverbial roll and let's really kind of situate this whole idea of judgmentalism and judging. Let me tell you what it isn't, all right? Here's what, it, here's what judging isn't. When I observe something, evaluate something, and discern something, there's nothing wrong with observing, oh, you're running 70 miles an hour into a brick wall right now. When you, when you evaluate, ooh, that's... that's that's not a wise decision. You, you can see those things. You can evaluate these, those things. Parents who now, these days, I just want to let my kids kind of determine on their own. I, you know, I mean, who am I to judge how they are supposed to like what they're supposed to believe in? Yeah, you don't say that about fifth grade. You know what? I just want you to judge whether or not you should go to fifth grade or not. It's just, who am I to judge? No, you're going to evaluate, discern, and observe that you haven't finished elementary school yet. You got to still go. So what it isn't is when I observe something in you or you observe something in me, you evaluate, you discern, okay? Somebody who struggles with alcohol and one person after the next, whether in the right way or the wrong way, but in a way, say, I think you, there might be a problem here. You, you don't have a right to judge me. It's an evaluation, it's an observation. It may even just be a concern, okay? But here's what judging really is. Here's what, when we slip off the side of rejecting the authority of God, is not when I discern something, evaluate or observe, it's this, when I size you up and write you off. When I put on the black cloak, get behind the judge's bench, I take the gavel in my hand, and whether I've heard the evidence or not, whether I know the whole story or not, whether I think I know it all or not, I take the gavel and I do the condemning. I do the final verdict. 
I'm the one who writes you off. I'm the one who sizes you up. You'll never do that. You're always gonna be, you're never, they won't, they don't get, I can't believe, how can you call yourself? I size them up and I write them off without any as much as a conversation, a kind, forbearing, patient talk with somebody but we just love judging. It's like apple pie and baseball. It is a national pastime around here. Oh, say can you judge? I mean, it starts with our magazines and social media. Who wore it best? You judge them. It's the app that makes you the judge. Download it now. Some restrictions supply. Some restrictions Anyway, okay, let me, let me do a little testing with you here, okay? Let's take a look. All right, let's look at this. How many of you, how many of you see gray on the top and white on the bottom? How many of you see white on top and gray on the bottom? How many of you see two different colors? You can just raise a hand. I see two different colors, what are you talking about, okay? All right, well, let, let me just show you that actually when I, when I have a background, sometimes a background can change the way I see things. Shadows can change the way I see things. If I were to just simply put a block over that, what just happened? I didn't change the picture at all, but all of a sudden, because I changed the perspective, I see it differently. Now, because I have put, I've, I've pushed over that, that, just that shadow, but, but here's what we do. We quickly judge by what we think we see. We make a judgment call, we size you up, we write you off only by what we see, having no understanding of background, perspective, situation, okay? At least understanding those things and not being quick to have that gavel in our hand. You aren't the final authority. Let me show you another example, okay? Now, kind of perk up and I'm gonna, play for you a recording. And if you're ready, go ahead and play that fine footage. Laurel, 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 Laurel. Thank you. Laurel, Laurel. Okay. How many of you, by a raise of hands, you heard Yanni? Raise a hand. Yep. How many of you heard Laurel? So how many of you heard, so, so raise it up high. You heard Laurel, Laurel. How many of you heard something that wasn't Laurel? How many of you could be that wrong? How many of you could be that right? So let's try it again, look around. How many of you heard Laurel, Laurel? And how many of you heard something else that wasn't Laurel? It was one, we didn't play two things. But we quickly judge by what we think we hear. We quickly judge. I mean, you want to talk about marriage? No, that's not what I said. I said Laurel. No, you said Yanni. I'm sitting over here saying Laurel, and you're saying, <laughs> I can't believe you'd do that. <laughs> like, we just judge by what we think we hear. Here's the question. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Two reasons, write them down. We do this because we often lack true self-awareness for ourselves. 
this, this whole idea that Paul's giving us is before you become the gavel handler, the judge almighty, you need to have some good, fresh self-awareness. But we, we, we lack this because here's what we do. We point the finger and we say, ugh, can you believe them? They're such a gossip. Here's what I heard them saying the other day. Don't tell anybody I told you this, but here's what I heard. They're such a gossip. Well, aren't you gossiping right now? No, 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 <laughs> no, I, I'm just sharing a concern. Can you look at them? They are so lazy. Ugh, get a job. Stop being so lazy. Oh, ugh. I'm just easygoing. I'm just, I'm a free spirit. Oh, they are always so negative. Just so negative, negative, Nancy, negative, Nellie, negative, Ned. I'm just being realistic. I'm just being realistic. Oh, they are so critical, every single thing. Don't judge, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling the truth. Hey, if just being honest is your thing, just being honest doesn't give you a right to just be an, a jerk, <laughs> okay? So that's one reason we have self-awareness, but also, you know what judging does? It just, it, it appeals to our pride. It appeals to our pride. Pride, listen, friends, pride is the carbon monoxide of sin. Very rarely will you ever sense it in you or around you, but the more you breathe it in, you won't even know it, and it'll kill you. The carbon monoxide of rejecting the authority of God, I get prideful. So, you and me on Happy Mother's Day, I might be a judgy majudgyton if, let me give you a few. Here's the, I don't got the top 10, I'll just give you a few of them. Top 10. If someone else's sin makes me feel spiritually superior, <laughs> look at them, bless God. Instead of personally heartbroken. When I feel better about myself, because at least I'm not doing that, you might be a Judgy McJudgington. You might be a Judgy McJudgington. If I'm more interested in what's wrong in you, and I want to read up on that, and I want to hear about that, and I want to talk about that rather than what's wrong in me. It's a lot easier to point out what's wrong in you than what's wrong in me. Okay, hey, if I treat suspicions or opinions or choice morsels of gossip that we love to eat up, when I treat those as facts, I might be a judgy McJudgington. If my motivation is destruction rather than redemption, when you're just telling it like it is and you want the truth and you just care about America and you just care about where we're headed, but you, would, you, you actually enjoy seeing someone that has a different opinion of you being destroyed, so it's about time. If you would choose destruction rather than redemption, you might be, no, it's not even you might, you, that's, a, that's a Judgy McJudgington. If I take joy in the downfall of another person, there's just something intriguing about someone else's dirt, isn't it? This happens in pastoral world when pastors, whether it's celebrity status or not, when a pastor falls 
many times they're falling so far because we're the ones that lift them so high, forget that they're so normal human beings. And all of a sudden a pastor, you know, does he do everything the right way? No. Does he do things the wrong way? Does he sin and fall short of the glory of God like anybody else? Yeah, pastors, presidents, ex-presidents, new presidents, next presidents. All of a sudden, we take a joy in the downfall of another person. You know, that's, that's a scary place to be, everybody. And you know, this, this is how we do, like, like um, we tend to judge those in our area and those not. Like, pastors love to be judgmental of other pastors. It, it's very sad. Here's another one, pretty common. Moms can be judgmental of other moms. Oh, I can't believe they work outside the home. Do you know that work <laughs> was created in the garden in the perfect world? You know, we're all designed to work. And whether you choose work as a full-time mommy, or you choose work as a full-time doctor, or a full-time teacher, work, the word work is abad, and abad actually translated means worship. Your work, no matter what it is, is worship. How you work, where you work, moms, the way you work is how you worship. May it be worship unto the Lord. But we love to judge them, don't we? Well, I can't believe they don't get a job. If they're struggling financially, well, let, let, them, let them be a stay-at-home. Let them go do their thing. Let them work their job and love their kid. Let, let them, judgy, judgy to it. Easy. Now, our culture, here's what they think Jesus said. Our culture, and guess what? When I say culture, I mean the one we're living in and you and me sometimes. Like, we think this too. Because we so quickly do this as well. Here's what we think Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. We think Jesus said, hey, y'all. Because you know Jesus was Texan. No, he was Hebrew. He was Israeli. He was Middle Eastern, actually. Here's what we think Jesus said. Y'all do not judge Period, end of statement, end of story. Do not judge. But where we get it wrong is in the details. Because if you focus in, you'll know when you read the scripture that it's not a end all, be all. Do not judge. It's actually, do not judge. Pause, comma, or you too will be judged. Just know that for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. So we're gonna make judgment calls. We're gonna make discernments and observations and evaluations and sometimes we're gonna size you up and write you off. Just know that however you judge, you're gonna be judged. So he says, hey, do not, like in other words, you better push pause on that because just know however you do, you will reap what you sow. In other words, basically, Jesus, you can write it down. He's saying, you know the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you? In this moment, he's basically putting a twist on that golden rule. He's saying, judge unto others as you would have them judge unto you. If you want to be the final judge, you are giving permission. You are handing the keys to everybody else in your life to be the final judge. So here's a question I want to ask you. Here's a question. Write it down. I want you to think about it. We're going to take about 10 seconds to think about this. What would be the words that would answer this question for you? Okay. How would I prefer to be judged? 
How would I prefer to be judged? How many of you would answer that with a raise of hands, all locations? Here's how I would prefer to be judged. I would prefer to be judged unfairly. Nobody? Nobody. Hmm, interesting. Okay, well, let's try this one. Because <laughs> that, that was the wrong word. Let me, let me do it differently. Um, here's how I prefer. I would prefer to be judged... Based on my past alone. Mm, okay. Nobody? Nobody. All right. Let me see, because I'm going to get one here. Um, um, hey, how many of you would prefer to be judged honestly? Yeah, yeah, of course, instead of deceitfully. But can I tell you that actually, no, you don't. No, you don't. Like, nobody, like, like, how many of you, let me ask you this way, how many of you would like to walk into the room, any room, including this room, with a list of all the stuff that you've sinned, all your sins right here, even if they were honest? How many of you would love that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I guess if I were walking into the school of the blind, maybe. <laughs> well, I can't believe he said that. I'm half blind in one eye, get over it. I'm halfway there. Let, let me tell you how I know you would want to be judged. Let me tell you whether you realize it or not. Here's how you would prefer to be judged. Here's how you prefer to be judged. Write it down. Not, not even honestly. Mercifully. That even if we were being honest, that you would be granted grace when you didn't deserve it, that the judgment of God would be held back and you would be given mercy, that your stuff would be covered. That's who Jesus is, and that's what he does. And Jesus says in his own words, why, why, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can that even be? Like, like, how can you say to your brother, oh, let me take that speck out of your eye. <laughs> I can't believe you. When all the time there's a plank in your own eye. So this is just an opportunity for us to pause. You hypocrite. <laughs> I love Paul. He's telling it like it is. You hypocrite. I wouldn't, I, you know, I'd go to church, but it's just full of hypocrites. Duh. Duh, you may have heard it on social media. That would be like somebody saying, I don't go to the gym, full of, full of out of shape people. Walking around, they're like overweight. Yeah, they're going to the gym because they recognize that they want to get better. All y'all and all y'all, <laughs> we are sinners saved by grace. Children of God, with mercy that flows. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly so that you can judge others. No, 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 no. See, the whole goal would be 
Not, I can't believe you have that speck in your eye. Remember when you were small, and I don't know if this was your mom experience, but my mom experience was, if I had a hurt, if I had a boo-boo, if I had a splinter, I could run to my mom, I could run to my dad. They'd be like, yeah, I can't believe you did that. That was dumb. No, they'd pull me up onto their lap. They'd kiss the boo-boo. They'd get the tweezers. They'd pull on the splinter. They would love me and remove, remove what was causing the wound. Remove what was causing the lack of vision. We're called to be that to people. Not to point out specs, but to be able to walk with people and sit with people and talk with people and talk about potential specs that, not that you point out, but that you help work out. So, the rest of the time we have, if you have had the wrong focus, if you've had the sequoia tree hanging out your eyeball, pointing out the sawdust in somebody else's, how could you on this day, how could you pass the eye inspection? <laughs> You're welcome, pun lovers. Here's what it looks like to pass the eye inspection. Two thoughts, and then we're gonna pray. Number one, if I'm gonna really pass the eye inspection, I have to look through certain lenses because if I look through just my own lens, I'm gonna be the final judge, jury, and executioner. But I place lens. The word of God is the moral compass. The word of God is our lens. The word of God, we see life through the word of God. We don't see the word of God through life. So we don't deal with our opinions and perspectives and culture and then see the word of God through that lens. That becomes very blurry. We use the word of God to give us clarity, to see what God sees, to know what God knows, to hear what God says, and through that lens, we then see the rest of culture. We even look through the word of God and we see our own identity in the mirror. If you look through the mirror and you try to find God through finding you in the mirror, you're going to find hurts and wounds and hangups and habits and insecurities and shames and you're never gonna amount to much and you're never gonna be enough and you're never gonna be smart enough or good looking enough or, or successful enough, but you look through the lens of the word of God and you let him be your final judge and you hear his forbearance and patience and kindness, that lens gets us to clarity. So the first lens, I would, here's a very easy, like, um, I wanna say trick, I would just say habit. If you can get into the consistent habit, not, not out of legalism and religion, but out of wanting to see clearly, the lens of the Lord's Prayer is a beautiful lens. It starts with situating your whole perspective. Our Father, oh, we're family? You mean the people I'm pointing a finger at that have got specks in their eyes? can be brothers and sisters, can be people that you love, that you died for, our, fa our, our father, not my father, our father. All of a sudden, it puts a different perspective on how you see people. In heaven, his drone shot of life versus 
your limited under the bus perspective, you get the heavenly perspective. Hallowed be thy name, he's holy, he's separate, he sees things the way that he ought to see things and I wanna see things the way, he shouldn't bend to my will, I bow to his. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as you see it in heaven, not as I see it on earth. Hey, give us today our daily bread. You're judging people for their bread last month or their bread in the future or what you don't have or what you wish you had. Judging people, judging God, judging yourself. Hey, listen to this one. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. You know what trespassing means? When you step on stuff that ain't yours. When you put your feet somewhere that your feet ought not belong, that is trespassing. Some of you have felt trespassed on. The antidote of being trespassed on is not to trespass on. It's to forgive us our trespasses. Oh, wait, you mean the log in my own eye that I have trespassed on you, God. I've stomped on your goodwill. I've stomped on your good grace. I've stomped on, other, I've stepped where I shouldn't in my own opinions and, and perspectives and, 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 and stuff. Jesus is on the main line making a phone call to Lufkin, apparently. <laughs> Somebody's wishing somebody a happy Mother's Day. God's inviting us to situate our heart through the lens of the Lord's Prayer. And not only the Lord's Prayer, but also the Lord's posture. And I'll end with this. You ever walk in with a posture? You ever see people walking in the room and you are like, hmm, their attitude got in the room about three minutes before they did? Anybody ever had that? As I've said many times, there are two people in this world, people that when they walk into the room, you are glad they're there. And people when they walk out of the room, you're glad they're gone, right? What's our posture towards people? What's our posture? What would God, what is God's posture leaning over the wall of heaven, ready to slap you in the face with a belt the next time you screw up? What's the Lord's posture? <laughs> I remember a story of me being bullied uh, throughout elementary and middle school. Smallest one and uh, cross-eyed, so super short, cross-eyed, lady killer. <laughs> I'd ask someone out on a date and they'd be like, are you looking at me? Are you? There was a kid named Sean. He was a, we'll call him Sean because that's his name. And Sean was a bully. And uh, Sean would bully me on the playground and I hated it. I went home and I said, mom, Sean's bullying me on the playground. My mom gave me sage wisdom. 
She said, you've got a secret weapon. My kindergartner, you've got a secret weapon. You want to know, I said, tell me what it is. I'm thinking Transformers and G.I. Joe at the time. She goes, do you know that the Bible says when you pray for people, when you pray for your enemies, like when you pray for them and you mean it, it's like pouring hot coals on their head. So why don't we pray for Sean? Now, moms, I'm just gonna tell you, six-year-olds don't understand that because I went back to the playground and like, my mom's gonna pour fire on your head. <laughs> Didn't quite understand the theological ramifications of what she was saying. I stood here and officiated a special celebration service for a dear sweet saint, a woman of prayer, a woman of faith uh, for decades at this church. Her name was Charlotte. Charlotte Krennic had unreal faith and intercessory prayer gift. When she passed away, her friends told me this story that when she was a kid and on the playground, she was bullied too. She went home one day crying to her mommy and she said, Mommy, the bully won't leave me alone. And mommy said, I've got something. I know exactly what'll do the trick. She went into the other room and she came back and she gave Charlotte something. She said, put this in your purse. When that bully comes back at you, you pull this out. Charlotte's like, okay. So the next day on the playground, she's watching, waiting for the bully to come. And sure enough, here he comes. <laughs> he's like first grade, and I think he's like Bluto and Popeye for some reason. The bully comes up to Charlotte, and Charlotte pulls on her little tiny little purse there on the playground. And she's opening it up, and some of you are like, please be Mace, please be Mace. Holds out what her mom gave her and she holds it out. As the bully come to push her into the sandbox, he stopped and Charlotte was holding in her hand a Hershey's bar. The bully snatched the Hershey's bar up from her, ran off. Charlotte came home and said, Mommy, you just took the Hershey's bar. She goes, I know what'll do the trick. She went to the other room. She came back. She said, give this to him the next time he comes after you. Next day, same thing. Another Hershey bar. And on day two, the bully stopped and put his hand out. Charlotte laid that Hershey bar in his hand. She said, he said, thank you, Charlotte. And he never bullied her again. Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to not cover the sin not to be an excuse for sin, not to just let sin abound that much more, but that kindness would lead to change, lead to 
repentance. Repentance is simply turning and changing direction. It's all about his kindness. And if you will remember just how kind he's been to you. Friends, in the same way he's been kind, in the same way he loves, in the same way he judges, which is with patience, forbearance, and kindness. May we do likewise. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus, that when we deserved you to place your hand out and give us something that should have been death, it should have been penalty, it should have been separation. But before we could ever get anything right, you handed over the, the gift of Jesus to us. Have you been choosing your own way over God's way in any way? Friend, that will separate you from God. But it is his kindness that has led you to this day. Don't do it because it's Mother's Day and it would make your mom proud. Make a decision to follow Jesus because you are aware and so grateful for his mercy that would meet you right now, right where you are, no matter what your past looks like. He wouldn't judge you just truthfully. He would, he would give you mercy today. You can approach him with boldness. So God, that's what we ask today. Would you give me a fresh start? God, would you forgive us of self-righteousness? Come on, come on, Christ follower. There's some repentance that needs to happen in this room. God, forgive me. God, forgi forgive this pastor that I have sized people up and written them off. I have been quick to hammer the gavel. Forgive me. Thank you, Lord, for showing me kindness and forbearance and patience. Now, God, we ask that you would forgive us as we forgive those. People that you've been judging, maybe Mother's Day's hard for you because mother wasn't a great mother. And this day comes up and it causes actual pain, or you've wanted to be a mom and it hasn't happened and that's caused hurt in your heart. And you may even be inadvertently judging God on that, wondering if God is really even good and even hears you. In this moment, we just palms up to you, God, no matter where we are, you know our hearts. May you meet us where we are. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.